daughter-in-law brought the pictures over of my grandson in their stomachs. And I'm looking at all the pictures. And I'm emotional to death. I am. I just am. I, I'm, I told you all the other day, I don't know if I'm getting old or what the case is. But I'm looking. And we're looking at the features of the baby and all of this stuff. And I'm like, man. But I'm, I can't, I, it, it, you know, it's always going to flow back to Jesus, right? And so I'm looking like, man, this is amazing. And then I said to my wife and my daughter-in-law, I said, I don't understand why people wouldn't follow Jesus. I don't understand it. Cheryl, it's the most amazing thing in the world. It's the most amazing thing that we can ever put our eyes on is a baby coming into this world where a woman gets pregnant and the baby is growing inside of her and forming and all of this stuff going on. And before you know it, the baby comes out and looks like this little thing and we dressing it and feeding it and all of this stuff. And before you know it, it becomes one of us. I think about that. I just want to cry. I'm like, how God... How does that work? And then I'm saying, and why don't people realize that only you could have done something? Only you. Only God can do something like that. Nobody else can. And then I realize, you've heard me say this before, but, you know, God, I have ways of confirming things. And so I'm saying that, and I say, this is the greatest miracle that man could ever behold. And then had to be the Holy Ghost. If this is the greatest in the natural. Somebody being born again of the warden of the spirit is the greatest in the spiritual. This is why it says angel rejoices over one soul who repent because it's just as interesting it is just as just overwhelming to angels to watch us being born again as it is us watching a natural baby coming into this world it's one and the same one is just natural and one is spiritual so just as amazing as it is for us to watch and get these pictures developed with this baby inside of the womb and saying, man, you can even see some features. And before you know it, the day come when this baby comes out and you're like, my goodness. And you're still wide, eyes wide open. It's amazing. It's just as amazing in the spiritual when we share with people what Jesus has done for us and that that death sentence they're walking around with, they can be free from it. When we share that message that Jesus Christ is God almighty and he was the one that says you need to be born again of the water and of the spirit so you can have life and have it more abundantly. When we share that message with people, you know what we're doing? Effectively sharing our testimony is powerful. And the way we're going to share our testimony is by telling people the, 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 the way we do it is, is, is telling them the sequence of it. So the sequence, Brother D, 
is before, how, and since. Or now, before, how, and since. Okay? I'll tell you what it means, sure. What was your life before you were born again? How were you living? Where did you go to hang out? What did you enjoy doing? What kind of people you spent time with before you were saved? Then, when we come to how, what happened? Why didn't you continue living how you were before? And that's when you can say, somebody invited me to church. Somebody started teaching me a little Bible study. I just heard this song on the radio that really touched my heart, and it turned out to be a gospel music. Whatever way somebody told me about a church that I need to go to, God spoke to me in my mind. Whatever way! And I went to a church, and when they taught about being born again, I said I wanted to be born again. I got baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. God filled me with his spirit. I spoke with tongues. And all of a sudden, I see my life starting to change. I started speaking differently. And so that's where the sense comes in. Since I've been born again, here is the people that I've been hanging out with. Since I've been born again, here are the places I've been going. Since I've been born again, this is the way I now speak. Since I've been born again, here is how I look now. Before, how, and since, when you're sharing with people what Jesus has done in your life. All right, it's time to close up. And so, I'm going to close here. When the United States decided to honor its first president, by erecting a monument in his honor, they chose a design by Robert Mills in the shape of an Egyptian obelisk. The Washington Monument was built in two phases, from 1848 to 1854, with private groups and financing, and then the federal government took over from 1876 to 1884. The change in the stones due to the different locations from which they were sourced over the duration of its construction can be readily seen in the varied colors of the monument's face. At the time of its completion, it was the tallest building in the world at 555 feet and 5 and 1 8 inches tall. It was a worthy honor for perhaps the nation's most famous founding father. When the monument underwent, three, underwent a three-year renovation from 1998 to 2001, an amazing discovery was made in the lobby of the facility. 
graffiti was found dating from the 1800s was uncovered and its tone was considerably different from what might from what one might expect to find today the graffiti was signed simply BFB no one knows who this was but the words are quite compelling and can still be viewed by those who visit the site today. BFB wrote this. Whoever is the human instrument, let me say it again. Whoever is the human instrument under God in the conversion of one soul erects a monument to his own memory lofty and enduring than this let me tell you what that statement was really saying in other words any one of us who is used by god unto the conversion of one soul leaves a memory more loftier than the washington monument the washington monument as we said 555 and 58 feet tall. Its structure is just huge and, and strong. It's lofty. But the person who was working on it back in the 1800s say anyone that is used by God to help someone get converted and come to know Christ, what they have done is greater than that monument being erected. And if you know anything about our world, people are giving millions of dollars to universities so their name could be called this wing. We are, we have the scarlet wing over here. Uh-huh. We have the Sanderson wing over here. Uh-huh. We have the Parker wing over here. People are giving millions for wings. And I say that to say we always want to be recognized. And this man who was working on this structure is saying your recognition is greater than any wing that any man could put in any building or by any structure that could ever be built if you will be like Lazarus. For all the recognition that we desire, the greatest recognition you will ever get is helping someone reach Jesus. There will be no greater recognition that you will receive than the one of you being used by God to help someone get saved. No greater recognition than that one. So spend all the money you want if you feel like you need to. Do all the things you can in your own power. That recognition will not get you. It doesn't even compare with the recognition you will receive when you lead somebody to Jesus. Even if it's just one person you lead to Jesus, that monument that gets erected for you is greater than the Washington Monument. Just one It's important that we understand 
we get converted, we become a walking and talking miracle. Our commission given by God is not so we may erect a monument to ourselves, but so we may perfectly honor Christ. Having experienced the resurrection power of his spirit, we are now tasked with the high calling of sharing that experience with everyone everywhere we go. When we are born again of the water and the spirit, we become witnesses to Jesus' power. The last words spoken by Jesus before his ascension make the purpose of every born again soul clear. What does it say in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8? And I'm finishing here. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 through 12. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they, they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then turned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. The last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven was that ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of both in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. A walking and talking miracle. When we are truly converted, that's what happens. The Washington Monument is certainly an impressive sight. It stands in memory of a great leader, despite any personal flaws he may have had. But a life redeemed by the power of God through the testimony of a life previously redeemed stands in lasting memory of a Savior who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It's important that we understand that we are walking and talking miracles. We may be walking, but we need to be talking. We need to be walking and talking. Some of us are walking, but we need to be talking as well. Because we are walking and talking miracles. That's who we are. And we need to act like it because we need to erect monuments, spiritual monuments. Let's stand.
I hope that whatever I've said here tonight, you can do something with it. You know, I give our world credit for something. As much as I hated how they try to keep st statistical data for the coronavirus, I still don't like what they do. But you know what? They keep statistical data, which means it tells them how they're doing and how they're not doing. No amen to that? No amen, huh? I'm sure pretty soon we're, we will get some statistical data that says people who have been vaccinated who still have contracted the virus. I'm sure there's going to be a number on that at some point in time. But the bottom line is they're keeping numbers. How many people still have it? How many people are getting treated per day? How many people are getting vaccinated? They're keeping statistics so they can know what's going on. Churches are poor at that. We're poor at keeping statistics so we know what we need to work on because we still want to have a life of feeling like, no, we're not obligated. I'm not obligated. God is love and he will work in my life. I don't have to do all of that. We still kind of have that mindset even though we don't say it. And I'm challenging you tonight to say, keep statistics on how you are being friendly to people, how you are sharing your testimony with people. Keep statistic on that. Because that's going to help you. And it's okay. You know what I've come to realize as I mature and grow up a little bit and working in the industry I work in? You understand it, Cheryl and Daryl. I, I know Cheryl is the, the numbers person. She don't, she don't seem like a numbers person. She don't seem like an accountant, do she? Most accountants just stoic. Right? She's just all, she, she's just not like a regular accountant, but she is. But, but, but here is what grown-ups understand about statistical data. It tells you a story. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we don't want to keep up because we don't want to know the truth. We don't want to know what's going on. But you need to know. And sometimes it's not because you need to do, do, do. It just means you need to become aware. Because sometimes it might not be right, right away immediately that you, you have to do something, but you want to have it in your mind that I need to be better at this. But if you never look at the statistical data, you won't know what you need to be better at and you'll tell yourself you're doing okay. But if you keep statistical data on how many people you're sharing God's word with, how many people you encounter and you look so different and your presence, your aura was so different that they wanted to say, who are you? What's your name? Where are you from? Do you go to church? Keep statistics on that. And if you do, it will push you a little bit more to say, ah, I need to do better. Ah, I need to do better. It's okay. I do that with myself all the time. Ah, I need to do better. This is why the thought came to me earlier. What's some of the hard saying in the Bible that you need to look at and say, ooh, that's a hard one, but I'm going to write that down or make a note of that saying and keep working at that. We need to pay attention to these things and realize it's hard, but it's something I need to do. It's hard, but you know what? God expects me to do it. 
He never told us everything was going to be easy. So let's not shy away from the challenging things. Let's not shy away from the hard things. Let's look them square in the mug and say, hey, I may not be doing it now, but I plan to eventually do it. That's how you get it done. Is by keeping it in front of you. The moment you take it from out of your rear view, you're in trouble a little bit because you can tell yourself anything. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you tonight for your word and for allowing us, Lord Jesus, to come together. You truly are amazing and wonderful. We want to grow in you. We want to know you better than we really know you, Lord. We want to understand your ways like we've never understood your ways. But Lord, more than anything else, help us to pay attention, to focus on the things that are near and dear to your heart, Lord God. And Lord, you have saved us. Yes, that we may know you and have a relationship with you. But you've also saved us that we may share our testimony of what you have done in our life. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to be courageous and bold to do such, Lord God. That we will not back down, that we will not allow ourselves to be restrained in any way from sharing what you have done in our life. And to speak it loud and bold, to speak it out of love, to speak it, Lord God, with giving you the honor and giving you the praise tonight, Almighty God, that we will come to a place of understanding who we are, that we are a walking and talking miracle, and that we have great work before us by sharing our testimony. Oh, God, I pray tonight that as we leave from this place, that the Word of God will resonate, the Word of God will take root, the Word of God will compel us. Oh, God, to do what we've heard, to do the will of God, and to grow in you, Lord God, and to begin to propagate this gospel like we have never done. Help us, Almighty God, to be who we are supposed to be in you, and to do what we're supposed to do as to who we are. Lord, bless us tonight as we go from this place. Let your will be done in our lives. I pray, Father, that you will continue to guide us and lead us, and use us. Will you grant to us your wisdom, your knowledge, and your understanding? For we love you, Lord, and we want to be what you want us to be. For we ask these things in the wonderful and precious and powerful and miraculous name of Jesus. Can everybody say in Jesus' name? Amen. Thank you so very much. God bless you. Don't forget tomorrow evening, 7.30, we're live streaming. And Sunday, Saturday morning at 10 a.m., also our marriage seminar. Bless you. Give an offering. God bless you. Have a great night.